Welcome to the Leverage Ladies Podcast with Linda McKissick and Shannon Dager. Each episode of this show, we will take on conversations about the biggest assets you have working for you, your team members. We will hear stories and conversations from successful business leaders, authors, and executives, and learn how they have used leverage to grow and expand to the next level. If you are looking to grow or expand your business, this is the show for you. Now, let's talk leverage. Welcome to The Leverage Ladies. This is a podcast where we have inside conversations with top experts and business owners about their journey to finding leverage, growing their organization, and achieving work-life balance. These are perspectives and stories you will not hear anywhere else. We are your hosts, Linda McKissick and Shannon Dager. We are business owners and business partners who've committed to leveraging our way to freedom so that we can achieve financial peace and have a life by design. As lifelong learners who run multiple organizations, we know that you can achieve more by focusing on building organizational support and leverage. To go along with these interviews each week, we are putting together a roadmap for you to follow along as you are implementing leverage into your business. Our speakers will be sharing documents and resources with you as well. Be sure to listen to the end every week to find out where you can find each week's piece of the roadmap. We highly encourage you to check out the resources. Now let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome today on our show. We are excited. We have a wonderful guest. My co-host, Shannon Dager, and I have a guest, Mrs. Ryan Allen. And so I'm super excited to jump into this today, Ryan, get to know you better and let our audience kind of hear a little bit about you. So I always like to say you were born and then what happened? Clip note version, of course. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me on here today. So I am Ryan Allen. I've got many titles. It's kind of hard to explain exactly what my job is. Operations guru. My husband and I own a real estate team here in Southern Indiana. We also service Louisville, Kentucky, cyberbacker franchise owner and maps coach. Awesome. Love it. Wow. We've got a lot of stuff going on. So Ryan, you started in real estate in like 2012, right? I did. But you've expanded into other areas. So tell me a little bit about what you're doing, what your organization looks like. Tell our listeners a little bit about you and how you became the operations guru that you are. Yeah. So I got into real estate kind of on a whim. I'll be honest. I had my first son and and had that new mom brain that I wanted to be home every night at 4.30 to make dinner. And I wanted to have 10 babies. And this is all I wanted to do with my life. And I've always been in the sales world. So I was doing dinners and traveling and and with the newborn, that wasn't feasible. So took a job close to home, working as an assistant for a single agent in a Keller Williams office. So I've been KW all my life. And that was good for a while. Once I started diving in and figuring out really what my strengths are, I loved taking someone else's vision and then making it happen. So I naturally found gaps in the business, figured out where we could be, what a seventh level team looks like. And honestly, I got to work. So throughout the, my tenure on that team, grew that team to about 14 people. I, I guess a unicorn in that I've served in every position on a seventh level team. So mm-hmm. if I was going to talk to agents about selling homes, I needed to get my license and I needed to sell a lot of homes. So I did it. I did it for one year. I killed it and I got out of it. So as a director of operations, though, that's just kind of where my sweet spot has been, filling gaps, facilitating others, being their leverage. And so I always explain leverage that if you're going to try to climb over a fence, I'm going to be the person down with one knee and launching you over the fence. That's that's really where my home is and what kind of sets my heart on fire. 
And then I realized that there were so many other leaders in these positions that were not leveraged properly and were not given a vision or a world big enough to, to thrive in. And so that's why I ultimately got into coaching to help other people kind of build their life by design through operations as well. Awesome. What were some of those clues that gave you, was it the activities of operations that kind of like lit your soul up and that's how you knew? How did you know that operations was more your unique ability or your skill set, you know, that is something that you wanted to pursue more so than building a team or sales or any of that stuff? Yeah, it's interesting that something for years and just speaking candidly that I thought was a flaw of mine that I looked at as a negative and finding gaps in everything or breaking something apart, figuring out how it worked and how to make it work better. I looked at that as as a, a negative asset or a negative characteristic. And it was really when I broke down and and I can remember the day vividly when I looked at someone's process from contract to close and was able to say, we could do this a million times better. Can I have your permission to just knock down all the Legos and, and rebuild it? And the success that I got from being able to track those results and having something tangible saying, here's what we did and here's how it's better. And here's the the quantified metrics we have to attach it to. It was like a drug, honestly. I just wanted to keep doing it and keep doing it and and making things better all around me. Love that. You know, I, I always talk about the fact that some people are simplifiers and some people are multipliers. And I think when you understand which one you are and you understand that you need the other one in your life, that's when your life can really get big, right? Because it takes both simplifier, which sounds like what you are. You take things that are kind of convoluted for the rest of us and you make it simple, right? Or make it better. And then there's those of us that just go and make big fat messes of everything <laughs> and allow people, <laughs> that allow people like you to make it better. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and I always laugh that, you know, we, we follow the MREA, right? And, and we're giving these entrepreneurial agent minds a workbook to follow explicitly, uh, that's yeah. not that's not what they're built to do. And when you are able to pair that visionary and an integrator together, gosh, it's magic. And, and I just like being on that side of the equation a little bit better. So I love this. So how would someone find an integrator like you? What are the words or things they would use to resonate with that person to make sure they brought, they leverage themselves in with someone like yourself that would multiply their multiplying. Yeah. Well, and and this is kind of an uphill battle that, and, and it's changing the mindset around leverage, I think. When you look at the structure of a team organizationally, you can have an EA and you can have a director of operations, mm. right? So if you look at an EA as reactionary, they're taking things off of your plate in order to give you back time or give you back money or make you more money, essentially, Right. So they're, they're putting the knee down so that you can step on it and jump over the fence. Now, a director of operations, I always tell people, what does that start with? Starts with a D. You're actually going to need somebody with a D on a disc assessment above the line because they're going to grab your foot and they're going to throw you over. And they have those personality traits in order to do so. And so great operations integrators in that role are really great at being able to quantify results. Mm -hmm. And and they love that. A lot of times we just look at those in our leverage department as help or enablers. 
And where we see that people in the operations department, especially in the DOO world, really thrive is being able to say, here's what I did. Here are the results. Here's how we measure it. Because that's where really they get their their clarity around their role and, and really feel fulfilled in that manner. But looking for a high D as an integrator to execute your vision is completely necessary. So do they need that D and C or what yep. else? What other trait? DC? Yep. I love DCs. Honestly, I have one major DC in my life and she has ran our life for 20 plus years on the finance side. Well, actually, just period, but mostly our say If anybody doesn't know what the DISC assessment is, we have a podcast that where we talked back about all of the different strength assessments. And we talk about what is a D, what is an I, what is an S, what is a C, and, and kind of how to do that. So it, sometimes we use these terms and people get confused. So I want to make sure to, to jump in there and say that. And also on our website, leverageladies.com, we're providing pieces of the roadmap for every conversation that we're having. And there are some pieces of the roadmap that talk about all of these things that you guys are both bringing up that are really great. Talks about the assessments, talks about personality styles and all of that. So Linda, you're an expert in that. And so you have so many of the different personality types in your organization and you're great about filling the holes. Ryan, is that something that you do in your own organization? Do you consciously look for a personality type? Do you use assessments? How do you kind of figure out what is needed in your organization or those for those who you coach? Yeah, especially with those that I coach, I always like to use this. We're matching a person to a role, not a role to a person. Mm. So before I ever bring anybody in my world, I know where the gap is and I know what personality trait, what characteristics, what values, what culture, everything that they need to be in alignment with. A lot of times people like to do that backwards. They find somebody great. And they're going to find a home for them. And long-term, that may not be the best game plan. And so when I am looking for a director of operations, I already clearly know where the gaps are, where we are, where we need to go, and the personality trait that is going to fill that. Now, I don't die on the hill of a KPA or a DISC assessment. I think it's just a tool in your tool belt. If you were to look back at my DISC assessment when I very first started in the real estate industry, mine were all pretty even. And we didn't know who I was, but I also didn't know who I was. Mm. And once I found my stride and I got into that role that just really set my soul on fire, you saw my D. My D is now a 99 out of 100. And... So once you kind of catch that stride, then you really see what somebody's made of. So these tools are fantastic, but keeping in mind, it's just a tool in your tool belt to have some really great conversations around. And because a person is a behavioral match doesn't mean they have the skills. How do you test for their skills in that role? I put them to the test. So depending on the role. So we just hired, she's passed her 90 days. I can now say that I love her. I have a rule that I'm not allowed to love them until day 91. Even with my clients, we don't love them yet. I can now love her. I knew what she needed to specifically execute. So I trusted her enough, got her through the recruiting and hiring process. And one of her biggest initiatives and in, in the way that she's compensated is on profit. And so we pulled up our PL. We hid the things. We, we, we did all of our due diligence to share that with her. And I wanted to know what questions she wanted to bring to the table around it and how she was going to save us money. Mm, that's great. That's I awesome. Love that. Tell me about what, what does your organization look like right now? What seats do you have on your bus? 
Yeah. <laughs> so in all of this crazy transition, when I was in the DOO and agent role, my now husband wasn't then was serving as our director of sales. That team kind of dissolved. We parted ways. And my husband and I now run AGL properties here in Southern Indiana and Louisville. And AGL are the initials for our three kids, Ashton, Gage, and Lennox. And we clearly knew our lanes. He is visionary. I am integrator. For those of you that are in business with your spouse, Linda, I know you can speak to this. And Shannon, you have to have very clear defined lanes and you don't cross over them. That ends up at the dinner table. That's true. We started our team and we knew the first thing because we were going to do it the right way. We knew the first thing that we needed was leverage as an assistant. So we actually hired a cyber backer. We needed transaction coordination. We needed social media and we needed database and built it from there. So that was almost right at two years ago. We are now at 10 agents, four cyber backers, a director of sales and a director of operations. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. That's quite the organization. So when you bring on a new piece of leverage, who's doing that training, that onboarding? Like, what does that look like? So before we had the DOO in there, I was facilitating a lot of that just because I was building it with my husband. It made sense at the time. I finally said, I am no longer in this job. I am taking on other things. We're bringing in a director of operations. So prior to bringing her in, we actually had a lead cyberbacker that was taking our standards, expectations, and accountability and executing on that week in and week out with those in the operations team. Mm -hmm. Once the director of operations came in, that now falls on her plate. Mm -hmm. And did you feel like you needed to bring that in-house for a reason or was it not working virtually or what made you switch and make it to someone that is, or is the DOO virtual? You know, the DOO is the only one in operations that is in person. And the reason we brought that in, and and there are hurdles with virtual assistants. I needed someone linking arms in the trenches. I told my husband, I need you to have a work wife and she needs to be sitting next to you and making things happen on a daily basis. And there's just hurdles and obstacles that you have to jump through with somebody being virtual period, whether it's here in the States or another country. And so managing profit, managing client events, she is out in the community and driving business to our team just as much as the agents are. And that's just something that we couldn't do virtually. So I needed somebody to go toe to toe with him and be at his right side, making his vision happen. That's awesome. Love it. What are the hurdles? So I I, love, I like that you brought that up because a lot of people, when we talk about leverage, they don't want to talk about the problems that they run into. So let's talk about the differences of in-person versus virtual and what when you might want one versus the other. So what have you noticed are the, the big hurdles to, let's say, bringing on somebody who's virtual since that is yeah. the difference that we started so- As the example that I would use, and and I always tell, so I have a personal assistant cyber backer that helps me coaching all day. He helps me with everything. And we always laugh that, gosh, if I brought you here and had you sitting next to me, we could take over the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's a time difference, right? There's that piece of it. There is the modes of communication. I don't have somebody I can physically turn to my right to and and spitball ideas off of. We've got to get on a Zoom or a phone call or FaceTime, whatever it is. So there are those pieces. And knowing that how my husband operates, he's a rainmaker. That's his very specific personality type. 
trying to get him to follow a schedule. There are things that just pop up and need done in the moment. And it just made more sense for them to be there in person. One of the biggest obstacles with bringing virtual leverage into the team dynamic is honestly the culture. Mm. And in the beginning, we noticed that that was a gap. Our people are in the same room together. They're talking about their families. They're talking about their scripting, their role-playing. They're in the trenches with one another and making sure that we created ways and built-in opportunities to fold them into that culture mm-hmm. has been imperative. So we have opportunities for them to learn or teach us about their culture. We have gratitudes every morning. So we get to learn about what movies they're watching, what they're doing with their families. We even had team pictures here and we all wore black and they showed up on their Zoom call wearing black that morning. Just pretending that they're in the next room on Zoom rather than across the world. I have a a virtual team as well. And so I love that you mentioned that because I'm always trying to come up with, you know, as, as a previous leader in an office, we did these morning meetings. And so my virtual team does a morning meeting with me as well. And I'm always trying to bring in a culture piece so that we're in alignment with that. So every day we do that and we do our gratitude, what's going right, what's going wrong, where we challenged. But this morning we pulled up um, my virtual teams in the Philippines that they're cyberbackers too. So they're in the Philippines. And so I pulled up a map because one of the things that has become clear to me too is like, there's a big difference in the Philippines, just like in, you know, in the United States, there's a big difference in somebody who's been raised in California and somebody who's been raised in New York and somebody who's been raised in Florida and I'm a Georgia girl now living in the Midwest. So I feel those differences. So they pinpointed on the map where they each live. And I had not, in my mind, they all lived in Manila, not even kidding. Like that's just how narrow of a mind they don't, they live on different islands. They live, it really built an understanding within me of their world. And I think you have to make conscious efforts to do that in any office and you have to do that virtually. So I think that I agree with you. That's a huge thing that we fail to address in combining a remote and in an office team. So I love that you're doing that. One of the most fun days that we had was they were sharing what was on their McDonald's menu there versus what is on our McDonald's (laughs) menu here. Rice burgers. We had no idea, but I, I think those small things connect you to people and yes. tether you to people in a right. different way than just being linear and transactional. So I love that. How many virtual people are on your team? We have four. Four. Okay. Awesome. Love that. And how long have they been on your team? What's your tenure been like? The one that's been there the longest is our ISA. So with the market shifting, he, or it's shifted, welcome. He started uh, as doing outbound calls. So Mm -hmm. he was presenting a MOFR to sellers to list their home or for us to buy them as investment properties. That has kind of shifted into working more in the database, doing long-term nurtures. So he's been with us about a year and a half. We hired on the second ISA probably about nine months ago. They're killing it absolutely fantastic. They they take the scripts, they run with them, they do exactly as you ask them to do, and they're getting results from it. The other one, we actually just hired a brand new one. She started last week and she's running all of our social media. So we get a lot of business and agent recruits from social media. So everything we do is documented and it's shared on there. And so she's in charge of that. And then the other one is just kind of a plethora of things. Database, EA, very reactionary checklists, kind of filling in the holes in the business. 
So on your ISA, did they call just your database or just call period? They just call period. Okay. And then on your, the other person that you said you had, what was the second one you said? The social media. Social media. Do you see any problems though in like social media? Do you give them exactly what to put on social media or do you let them use their creativity? How do you handle that? Well, our marketing calendar is about 50-50. So we can't pinpoint exactly when a listing is going to go live. So there's those opportunities in there that are are reactionary in the marketing calendar. The rest of it is is predetermined. So our DOO and them work side by side that on Monday, we're going to do an agent spotlight. On Tuesday, we're going to do this. Just being candid, some of the obstacles have been the English language and grammar. Yeah. It's just what it is. So we have put tools in place like Grammarly. In the beginning, there's going to be that handholding of of editing it and and making sure that they're speaking our language, not just the English language, but how we communicate with our clientele in Southern Indiana. Right. And so I think there's that learning curve there, but it's it's been fantastic right out of the gate, just some little small tweaks here and there. I think with mine too, and I'll say this for anybody that's listening, that is thinking about using somebody on social media, because I agree, Linda, it is one of the obstacles. It's just, we phrase things differently, right? And so I've put into place Grammarly is one of the things that we use a lot, but also we use Hootsuite. So I think you can use any type of social media feeder app, but I want it scheduled a week ahead of time. We schedule out our calendar for a long time, but If you're going to do a post, it needs to be at least a week out so that I can review it first and just be clear on it. But I don't have to do all the content creation. I don't have to do all the design. I can just check it out, check out the wording and say, yeah, good to go. And so that is just, it's a huge piece of leverage for me as well. So Ryan, you're in Indiana, you're coaching full-time, right? Yes. At this point. If people wanted to get in touch with you, talk to you further, because I think you said a couple of things that resonate with me that we haven't heard from other guests yet. One, you have ISAs that are really, really successful. So mm-hmm. knowing the keys to that and hearing about how you have, you know, utilized that and want to know about operations. And I think you have an operations business as well, don't you? Where you're you're doing something with a team. Tell me about that. Well, it was it was several years back. So while I was doing all of the things, I had a crazy couple of years, built a uh, transaction management company. So was doing that third party for other agents, even outside of our Keller Williams brokerage. That was something that honestly, I would love to get back into. I was at a place in my life where I had to pick and choose where my energy went. And, and that was just not one of them. It was very successful. That was a business that was dissolved. And I still think there's a great need for that at a high level. And I would love to build it out with cyberbackers. So that's constantly in the back of my mind. But yeah, just taking a system and being able to quantify it and using additional leverage as a, a side hustle, so to speak, was really fun to do and build. So they want to talk to you about Cyberbacker. They want to talk to you about your coaching. What is the best way to reach out to you to get in touch with you, find out more information? Yep. Email is impactcoachingryan at gmail. Best way is honestly on, on Facebook. It's Ryan Allen. And you can find me there. I'm currently building out my personal website. So I can circle back with you on that one. Okay, perfect. Perfect. Well, is there any tips that you would share with anybody wanting, thinking about hiring We know these business entrepreneurs are scared sometimes to make that first step. Do you have any, like just a quick tip to share that, you know, might help them get over that fear? 
Yeah, I would actually say too, the first one is when hiring leverage, don't go into it with the expectation that you have to teach them everything. Mm. Because one of the biggest gaps that we find when we see, let's say, a, a single agent hiring leverage for the very first time, they don't even know what they should be doing. They don't know how to lead them. They don't know how to teach them. And that shouldn't be the expectation. I always say to pretend that you're holding a book and your leverage sitting next to you, you don't want to hand them the book and go through it page by page. You don't want to give them the book and have to take it back. Mm -hmm. You want them to rip the book out of your hands, figure it out and run with it. And so finding somebody that's going to be in your world, that's able to do that for you and getting rid of the expectation that you have to have all your ducks in a row. You have to know the role you're hiring for explicitly because I think that's what holds a lot of people up on making that first hire. The second is don't cut the process short. I have collected a lot of data in, in failures when it comes to hiring and skipping steps in the process. I've done it. It doesn't work. It may work for a short amount of time, but it's gonna, it's gonna come back to you in the long term. Follow the process, stay true to the process and hold them to your standards. That's awesome. Love it. I love that. We have a podcast on the process too. We did a long pod, we did a long podcast on the process. Yeah, lots so of links in here. If anybody wants to um to find that out, they can check that out at leverageladiespodcast.com. And so um Ryan, thank you for coming. We appreciate you. I'm so excited for all you're doing. I keep seeing all the successes that you're having with cyberbackers and coaching and I wish you the best. And if we can ever do anything to help you, please let us know. But you are awesome. Thank you for sharing your, your nuggets of knowledge. My yeah. pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening today. Don't forget to visit our website and download this week's piece of your leverage roadmap at leverageladies.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to and share this Leverage Ladies podcast with others. We would love to have you follow us on social media as well. Check out our Facebook and Instagram pages and be sure to follow us for ongoing tips, updates, and information. Remember, the greatest compliment you can give us is to leave a five-star review so that others are able to find the Leverage Ladies podcast. And again, thanks for listening. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Leverage Ladies Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Once again, thanks for tuning in, and we hope to catch you again in the next episode of the Leverage Ladies Podcast. We'll see you then.